1: And what is going on we are here for another episode of the believe in kentucky podcast brought courtesy of the believe podcast network alongside the uk athletics hall of famer the tennessee sports hall of famer double zero himself tony duck my name is Vinny hardy what is up td
0: hey man it's another day on the good side i'm happy to be here uh sharing sharing this with you and jason man so we have a uh a special guest that I'm going to let you introduce, as always.
1: Yeah, look, we are proud to have with us a special guest, the site manager for a Sea of Blue. He also does extensive work for an NFL team that's just north of the border of our home state of Kentucky, and we won't talk about that. <laughs> he also graciously putting every episode of the Believing Kentucky podcast that we do. On the ASEA Blue site, I'm talking about the site manager for ASEA Blue, talking about none other than Mr. Jason Markle, man. Jason, welcome to Believe in Kentucky. How you doing?
2: Guys, thank you very much for having me on. I'm doing wonderful.
1: Glad to have you and, and appreciate you putting our episodes on there, man, getting new listeners from Kentucky and across the Borders of different states to, to take time out of their day to listen to Believe in Kentucky. We appreciate you, man. I uh,
2: mean, you all did great work and I'm just happy to get you all some more exposure. Yeah. Yes, Jason, like, uh, like me, like V said, man, we just uh, excited that you're
0: uh, on with us and, you know, keep drawing in more and more people listening to, you know, what we're talking about. And, you know, we try to, we try to touch all, all the sports angles, you know, we, we will do some social, Social justice stuff, but we haven't had, you know, had time. Not really had time. We just haven't, haven't gotten to that yet. But you know, so much is going on in sports. You know, from, you know, the Lakers winning to uh, our team almost getting to the World Series, uh, the the Atlanta Braves, and uh, you know, and, and, and mm-hmm. such a really good and exciting uh, NFL season. So it's a lot for us to talk about. And uh, as far as you know, college college football has been exciting.
1: Mm-hmm. And I'll tell you, I was. Look, I was living and dying on every pitch for the Braves. They were up 2-0, they were up 3-1. I just made it 3-2, then they forced game 7, but I'm I'm gonna I'm gonna be honest. When Kentucky whooped Tennessee in Knoxville Saturday, that that <laughs> overshadowed my Braves sadness. I'm gonna tell y'all that right now. I couldn't even really be that sad about the Braves cuz I was I was on cloud 10, 11, 12 about our cat. <laughs> uh 84 jason
2: oh man it, it was amazing yeah that that was the first win in knoxville in my lifetime so that, that was just incredible <laughs> to watch <laughs> and, and,
0: and it just wasn't a win i mean it, it was a beatdown. like it, it was one of those one of those victories that you know you could see a coach who, who started out well you know looking at his, you know, looking at him being on the hot seat but kentucky went down and they had a, a great game plan they stuck to it and they were just, I think, you know, as we watched, you know, that was another – that was a big game for, you know, for Tennessee and Kentucky fans. But when you watch the Georgia-Alabama game, you know, it's just a tale of two halves. I mean, I'm just – you know, I'm just shocked that that Georgia couldn't do anything in the second half. And, you know, that's where when you look at the money line and we see how the money line changed when everyone knew Nick Saban was going to be on the sideline, <laughs> just that adjustment – or whatever speech he gave at halftime, which I would I mean, I would love to be in a fly on the wall to see what he said to those guys at halftime to have them come back out and deliver that kind of victory the second half.
1: We had Kyler Kerberson on last week, you know, former UT offensive lineman. Alabama did Georgia in the second half the same way Georgia did Tennessee in the second half <laughs> the week before.
2: Yeah. What do you think about that, Jason? You got a chance. Did you uh, get the chance to see the Alabama Georgia game? Oh man, Alabama, they're they're just Alabama. They're once again loaded. Mac Jones looks like a Heisman contender. I mean, it's crazy that he was committed to Kentucky once, but uh yeah. you know, it's really? worked out for Kentucky, yeah, yeah. Uh, wow. Uh, yeah. They he's got at least two NFL receivers, Jalen Waddell, Devontae Smith, they they both should be first round picks. Oh, they will at the rate they're going. Yeah. Yeah.
0: If if they could Like I said, really just staying healthy, but, you know, it it lets you know how great a coach Nick Saban is and just not only being a motivator, I think what he's done an extremely great job of is developing guys, you know. And, And here's the difference between when I look at Coach Saban and I look at Coach Cal, could you imagine Coach Cal keeping his guys for three years? Like you couldn't leave college basketball until your junior season. Can you imagine how great? how many more championships, and, you no, know, we should have probably another championship anyway, but I just think you really get a chance to see guys develop and, and, and be pros when they leave. Now, even though our guys are leaving as pros, you know, some of these guys, it's taking them two or three years, which those two or three years, Nick Saban are getting those guys. So he's getting talented players, five-star players, and he's keeping them for three years.
1: Yeah. And red shirt and five star guys, that's are just having to wait until it's their time to play. Right, <laughs> crazy, crazy, crazy. I got to get back to Kentucky, Tennessee, because like, look, like, like Jason said, first time since nineteen eighty four, I was seven, and and Tony and Jason,
0: and I was ten, man. We, hey, I, I, I'm still, a, I'm still a young, a young pup myself, man. Don't don't try to make it seem like you was seven. Jason wasn't born yet, and, and I'm young is like. It, 55 years old, man. Hey, I was a little kid. Man. I was in the fourth. Hey, I think I was in about the
1: third or fourth, maybe the fourth to fifth grade, man. I was a little boy too. That's right. That's right. And Kentucky had only won twice since 84. 2011, they won 10 to seven. 2017, they won 29, 26. So they field goal victories squeaking by. So to see them just like you said tony beat tennessee down in knoxville al wilson and peyton manning were in the house al wilson spoke to the team peyton manning was in attendance and they saw their alma mater just get drugged by the cats 34 to
0: 7. yeah um you know and al it's funny too al and i i'm good friends with al al is from jackson tennessee which is about 23 to 25 miles from Brownsville. So Al went to Jackson Central Mary. So we we know each other from high school basketball as well as high school football. And he's a really good friend uh, of one of, my, one of my high school teammates, Tyrone Hines. So, you know, just that class that came in 96, 90, probably 94 to 97 was a unbelievable class, you know. And just that year, you know, you got to think about, you know, T. Martin taking them and leading them to a national championship game. You know, that, that was huge for Tennessee after Peyton Manning had left. But uh, whenever you can get Peyton Manning and Al Wilson was, you know, was an eight- to ten-year pro himself and, you know, give that kind of speech, you know, that's – for those guys, you know, to see some, some some of your alma mater come back, man, I mean, you've got to go out there and fight hard. But, you know, Kentucky had – like I said, Kentucky came out and delivered. I mean, they they – they had something, they had a game plan and they stuck by that game plan. But, you know, a lot of that is being just. Oh,
1: glitchy, glitchy. 2020.
0: Not going <laughs> on the road and getting penalties and not having a hundred plus thousand in that building doesn't hurt, you know?
1: Yeah, that's true. What expectations did you have, Jason, when they redid the schedule and it was just going to be 10 SEC games? What did you, you know, in your heart of hearts or in your head, think their record would be when you saw just the straight conference schedule?
2: I, I thought five and five was probably the reasonable expectation because, you know, they oh. should have swept the Mississippi teams. They should beat Missouri. They should beat South Carolina. should beat Vandy. I did think that this was going to be a weird season and one of those games they would get upset and then they would pull an upset, you know, maybe at Auburn or maybe at Tennessee, maybe Florida, you know, they're kind of looking a little vulnerable now, but yeah, I, I thought Kentucky, they'd get one big win this season at least. And, you know, go to a bowl game.
1: And so that's still all over the table and they can still, I mean, the, the back end of the schedule is tough. You get that Alabama, Florida at the end. Oof. Georgia coming up week after next, but I, I said I had six and four as the floor, but I went seven and three. So, you know, oh, that's
0: you kind of got out there. Hey, hey, you, you know, something we don't know, man. Are, are you are you know about the money line that we don't know about? Seven and three, you kept hearing
1: that. And you know, Stoop said himself, This is the, the deepest, most experienced team I've had. And, and
0: they, every coach says that, man. I haven't heard a <laughs> coach say well, other is. than coach cal. Claiming every year his team is young, which they are kind of young. I will, <laughs> will have to agree with him. But it, but in football, I just think it's tough, man. You know, I don't think no, I don't think any coach is going to come out and say we're not going to be a good team. You know, it's just like, you know, and in this conference, SEC conference. I just think it's so many great, great players, but also I mean the coaching is, is probably the best in of, of the Power Five. I think, and I don't want to be biased here, but I just think it's. Some, really good coaches, and some of those – most of those coaches came from uh Nick Saban, <laughs> that's from his free
1: That's true. But you can see they steady improved every year Stoops has been there. They won two games the first year, then they won five two years in a row, then they won seven two years in a row, then they won ten, you know, lose the court starting quarterback last year and win eight. So you can see them steady improving and recruiting better and better each year. So that's kind of why I, I, I went out there a little bit and and since seven and three um they're still you know two and two a lot of people thought they might beat auburn and lose to tennessee they still would have been two and two so that, that kind of cancels each other out and uh they got a little momentum now started off bad stubbed their toe twice and, and now they're rolling a little bit can't let up against missouri can't be looking ahead of missouri and and trying looking ahead to georgia and fool around and lose to missouri this weekend though
0: now I think you I think you got to respect all your opponents you know I, I don't think you underestimate anyone in the SEC conference I mean because on any given any given day any given night uh you know you can lose a game so you know you, you're not good enough where you can kind of look ahead and say well let's
1: Uh-oh. <coughs> See there it is but
0: I'm back, guys. Sorry about that.
1: Oh, it's all right. Oh, Got to flip on to the hardwood anyway, and it's been all kind of news this week as we wait for the season to start on November 25th. Before we get to today's news, Jason, we had news yesterday evening. The wait is finally over for Olivier Saar and Jacob Toppin. Did you think that they would ever get cleared? Did you, you know, when we're waiting on the NCAA and the SEC, you never know, but... What was your thoughts on it?
2: Um, at first, I thought it was going to be a tricky deal with Saar, just between the NCAA and uh, getting him eligible with them. Because, he I mean, he did have a case since his coach got fired pretty late and he decided to transfer. And, you know, it became pretty pretty clear as, you know, the weeks went on that the NCAA was just giving everyone away basically this year. As long as the previous school supported him, which Wake Forest, Steve Forbes, he said he would for Saar, as long as that previous school was supporting them they were all getting their waivers so but, but then the issue of the sec popped up which no one really knew about until like a month or two ago that if you transfer into the sec you have to have two years of eligibility left to be immediately eligible if you're not a grad transfer which is kind of a weird rule but uh you know it, it kind of put it up in the air with sar because he only has one year but then Thankfully, the NCAA, they gave an extra year of eligibility to all winter athletes. So, that gives Saar two years left, even though he's probably only going to play the one. So, once the NCAA made that rule, it was only a matter of time before Saar got eligible. And then with Toppin, I mean, he has three years left. So, the NCAA is giving waivers to everyone else. It just seemed like he would automatically get one.
0: Yeah.
2: How, how do you think Saar helps Kentucky uh, front line? Oh, he's... He'll be one of the best centers Kentucky's had as far as just college production. I mean, he, he doesn't have the talent of a DeMarcus Cousins or Collar Towns, but he's so experienced. He already knows what to expect. He's going to be – he could be their go-to scorer early on. And I think as far as college production goes, he is going to be one of the most productive centers that Calipari has had in Lexington.
0: So who would you compare him to of
2: uh of any Coach Hall centers? Um, I'm thinking pro- prob- probably cousins because they're both bigger guys. You know, they're about seven feet, and uh, you know they're not the greatest athletes. Not, not
0: call him.
1: Missed that last part. You said something about him. You said something about Boogie.
0: TV.
2: What about um? So no Willie Collie Stein comparison. No, I don't. I don't think Star's quite the athlete uh, Stein is, and I don't think he's as good of a shot blocker. I, and so I, I think probably more Cousins. You know, a little more grounded. Um, the thing I like about Sarr though is he he's seven foot and he he has a pretty nice hook shot. You know, off the backboard, which. When you're so good you can do that. That's an impossible shot to block, no matter who he's going against. I mean, he'd be going against Anthony Davis. You're not going to block that. So that's that's a really good you know weapon to have on offense. You know, I I think when I when I look at the two,
0: you know, and, I, and I've seen him play just a little bit, but the Marcus has, you know, yeah, he was a below the rim, but his skill set, you know, from when I first saw him on Coach Calstaff, I, I knew he was a special player because of his ability to put the ball on the floor. He was a good passer. And, you know, we didn't have to really run plays for Demarcus. Like, he was one of the few guys, you know, that we were doing, we were running through a drive off. But we didn't have to run plays for him. You know, he was... Uh, a good offensive rebounder with that big body. And he had just just a, a great feel for the game. He of uh, a player uh who's on our skill set. And if you got that now, it's Taylor.
1: Oh, I think we lost you, T D. We we'll get you back though. We we'll get you back. But um yeah, that's I think he's you know he's long and lean, not as bulky as as Boogie, and probably more offensively polished than Willie. Uh, but like you said, experienced. You know he he put up some good numbers against some good ACC teams, had some some nice double doubles against some solid teams. So uh, you get him with experience. You have Mints with experience. You have Keon Brooks, the only guy with experience in Cal system. So those three are your your veterans and then uh, everybody else new coming in and, and kind of finding their way, you know, you got the, the hype with, with Boston and Clark, um, ask you kind of just to, you know, grinder and, you know, see if he pushes men. So it's, it's going to be fun to see how the puzzle all comes together. Now that it is all the pieces are there, you know, BBN was having to, to wait. It seemed like forever, but now, uh, the wait is over and, and they can really get excited because you know you got a, a full team and you won't have to be like, oh, uh, you know, we're going to be with a bunch of six, seven, six, eight guys, and just try to hope for the best from the <laughs> center spot. Now uh, the, the waiting time is over. And speaking of time, TD, got to talk about our sponsors, lots of watches who have, you have endorsed them individually. Now they have started pon- sponsoring our podcast. Dave, Ben, the owner and marketer for La Terrain, they they heard you. They're working on getting a UK blue band. If you you need a watch, you need to just go to laterrain.com on Twitter, Facebook, Instagram, any social media, Jason. Check out the watches. Get one for yourself or drop a hint and get somebody to get one for you. If you got a gift idea for somebody else, go to La Terrain and get yourself a watch. TD, you know all about it, and they have been nothing but good to go in the watch game.
0: Hey, yes, they have been. La Terrain is definitely and has stepped up. Uh, you know, just coming, creating a really nice timepiece, but also working with us. You know, to come up with a a blue wristband, which I was so excited about that I can finally put on my watch. But you know, it's also it's close to Christmas time, so our men and women, you know, should definitely be reaching out and trying to buy a gift for uh, a family, a family member, a friend, a loved one. Everyone needs a nice timepiece. There's nothing like having a nice timepiece on your, on your wrist if you're a man. And, you know, it's, it's, it's great to have Lotter sponsor us. And they've done a tremendous job with, uh, with, with watch sales, but also just, you know, making sure that, you know, putting out a good timepiece, something that when you see it, you know, it's, it's a classic, it's a nice piece, and it's not one of those flashy pieces. You know, for me being older now, I just like, like to keep it simple. You know, something I look down at. I see it, and I just enjoy it because it's the right color.
1: Exactly. So you can you can get one as a gift for somebody. You can treat yourself. It's splurging. You know, get a little something for yourself. Uh, just check them out on all platforms, social media, Instagram, Twitter, Facebook, Lots Rain watches, um, and tell them you you heard about them and tell them you got one because you heard about them on the Believe in the Teggy podcast, lotterrain.com. Um, the news today, fellas. You know, we talked about it a little bit before we came on. In addition to Sar and Topping, now Sky Clark has committed to Kentucky over North Carolina, Memphis, and others. Uh, fan base was worried because North Carolina was making a push, and they thought, "Uh oh, you know, Kentucky's been the favorite, and here come the Tar Heels." But about seven o'clock this evening, Sky Clark made his commitment to Kentucky. You got any idea what class he's going to stay in, Jason? Like, listening 22, is he going to reclassify? What do you think happened with that?
2: Well, over the summer, he said he really wants to play with his brother, ZZ Clark. Uh, I think he's a freshman or a sophomore, and Sky wants to stay and play another year with him. So, everything I've heard, I expect him to stay in 2022, but it wouldn't shock me if he reclassifies late. I mean if he goes out there and just balls out this season he you know it might just kind of be you know where his family's like look you need to you need to go to college now cuz you need to go you know you're going to be a one-and-done you know you could be a maybe a lottery pick and uh i guess it would be if he comes 2021 be the 2022 draft so uh you know sometimes guys want to you know fast track their path to the nba but i i think he genuinely is enjoying the high school experience and will the college experience so
1: uh, for now, I would say he's going to stay in 2022 so he can play with his brother. Six three, one ninety
0: five, TD combo guard out of Nashville. Yeah, I, I, so from what I've been hearing, and this now, uh, this might be a stretch. I talked to someone who trains him, and, and we had a conversation earlier today as I was heading to the gym around, I think around four o'clock. So he knew at four o'clock that he was going to commit to. He said, you know, he was talking about how good he was. I said, who, who can you compare him to? He said, well, he's a He's better than Kyrie Irving at this age right now. So hold on. You're talking about the number one draft pick. Kyrie Irving, the one who's won won a, a NBA champion. He was like, yeah, he said, I feel like he's better than him right now. But what I hear, he does a really good job. of. He's such a good shooter. And, you know, when people look at Kyrie, that was the one thing that always stood out about his game was, of course, you know, he was a unbelievable finish around the basket. He was so creative, but just he was a good shooter. And good shooters can make 10, 15 shots in a row from different spots. You know, if you work you've seen these guys working out and that's what he was telling me, he said, he's an unbelievable shooter. And he said he is a one and done. Um, it just aside, like I said, it just depends on what class he stays in, but everything I'm hearing, the kid is, you know, is, is explosive, uh, playmaking ability. He can score the ball and, uh, it's going to come down to what he wants to do at the end of the day. So, like you said, some players would, you know, some players do fast track to the NBA, but if he really wants to play with his brother, you know, I I can't, we can't be mad at the kid. You know, I'm happy that, you know, you can get a chance to play with a sibling or a really good friend and, um, you know, just enjoy that high school experience because, you know, it only, it only comes around once and we don't want to just jump so fast that we forget being a teenager, you know, have fun, enjoy yourself. You know, the NBA, as we all know, is not going anywhere. And we just hoping that, you know, of course he doesn't get hurt.
1: Mm-hmm. Sure. Oh, lag issue again, we'll work through it. Um, but yeah, definitely want to stay healthy. And, um, you know, if it is 2022, that'll be here before we know it. And, <laughs> um, and, you know, you you don't, you don't know if, if, you know, you might be back again. You don't know who leaves and who stays from this upcoming season. You know, it's 2020 doesn't count anyway. So <laughs> with, who knows how it's going to play out after this season going forward. But, you know, it's good to have him in the fold whenever he decides to um, – whatever class he decides to stay in. We'll get TD back, looks like, anyway. But um, so yeah, that there he is. You back with us, T?
0: I am good, yes, sir.
1: Cool, cool. Oh, and we had to talk some NBA as well. And even got a, a NBA question. I threw some questions out. Anybody got a question for you? And and Dave from La Terrain had a question for you, so I definitely had to work that in before the the podcast is over with. But as far as Kentucky, this coming season, um, we know Kenny Payne went to the Knicks. We know we just got this news about Starr becoming eligible, Topham becoming eligible, so you got the big men coming in. TD, you were on that staff with Coach Cal, like you said, with Boogie and those guys. and, and Harold Yes, sir. When Ennis was not eligible. How do you think Cal shuffles things to who does he – delegate the responsibility to working with the big men with this year. Now that KP is with the Knicks, how do you think he'll?
0: I don't even it? know, man. You know what? I, I I've been thinking about it. Uh, you know, cause KP had done such a unbelievable job of just getting all these guys, you know, prepared for not only NBA, just, you know, the rigors of a college basketball season and to replace that voice. um It's up, but I, but I, I think Tony Barbie is the right guy. You know, Tony, has been with Cal uh, many years and he understands, you know, he has been a head coach. So he understands what Coach Cal is looking for and the expectation, you know, and I get a chance to talk to Tony every once in a while, but just an unbelievable guy, Um, you know, expectation got to be like Kenny. Kenny was, uh, I told you, I called him a major pain, you know, Kenny, Kenny, Kenny brought some pain out. You know, if, if you never felt pain and you never worked hard, Kenny was going to get that out of you, you know, so you never will come into a workout expecting, like, it's not going to be fun. You know, it's going to be hardcore. But it's hardcore to the point where the kids understood he wanted the best for the kids. So, you know, you got to put someone in place that, you know, the kids respect, um, they know exactly what the expectations are, and then Coach Cal, you know, you got to – how do you fit into his system? Um, how, do you, how do you become a good teammate? And these guys are not only there, you know, some of these guys <laughs> are going to be one and done. So it's only so much you can teach these guys in that amount of time. I think that's the, always the the toughest thing for any coach or young players is, you know, you have to fast track certain things. And can they pick this up really fast? You know, and normally his kids pick it up like right around February and we'll see all of his team improve around that time. So it's it's been a challenge, but it's been something that Coach Cal has, has been really good at, you know, and I think this year is the same. It presents the same challenge, you know, but when you have those five-star players coming in, they know what they're supposed to do. If they want to make it to the next level, Coach Cal is going to give them an opportunity. Then they're going to have to go out there and perform on the court.
1: And Jason, we, we saw the news where the SEC Big 12 challenge was announced. And, it's been Kansas, it's been Texas Tech, it's been West Virginia. This time around, it is Texas, so Jay Lucas will be matched up with his former team, Shaka, and his previous employer. Greg Brown, who Kentucky tried to recruit, will get a chance to play against Kentucky. So what do you think about Texas and SEC 12, Big 12 Challenge, and the you hear fans grumbling about the schedule or lack of, Marquee teams coming to Rupp Arena. What do you think about all of those developments?
2: I think Texas is going to be a great test for this team because they have everyone back. They bring in Greg Brown. They like to pressure, so that'll be a nice test for our guards. And you know, can they handle full court pressure and uh, being sped up? So I think that'll be a really good test for them in Rupp Arena.
1: What about the the other part of the schedule where you know fans seem to get upset or? You know, why are we playing Fraley Dickinson and this team? <laughs>
2: <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I, I, I understand that normally. Uh, this year where it's more condensed, um, I, I think they're going to end up playing Louisville, UCLA, Kansas, uh, Notre Dame, and uh, Richmond, who they just lost their point guard. So that'll take them down a step. But I think they should still be a preseason top 25 team. So that'll be a nice test and rough. Um, I think that's about it uh, in Texas. So, and then they have some, you know, four cupcake games. I think so. <laughs> this year, this year, it's like I could. It's more understandable. But like you know, in previous years, where it just it, it feels like it's just a full month of just playing nothing but cupcakes, and most of them don't even you know, like you look at Ken Palm or one of these advanced metrics. They're like teams ranked in like the two hundreds and three hundreds. It just yeah. doesn't feel like they're really giving Kentucky a good look and helping them get better. Well, well also, I think Jason, when you have, when you have young players, you don't
0: need to come out the gates, you know, to play the top teams. You know, you, you want to get some, get a few games, get some reps under your, under, under your belt before you just jump right out there and start playing the the Dukes, the North Carolina, the Cairns, you know, those teams you want to play when you have a body of work, you know what I'm saying? And, Although these guys are really good high school players and have played against most of each other, most some some of the guys are in college, it's still, you still have to get acclimated to the collegiate game. And I understand, I was like you sometime when I looked at the schedule, I'm like, man, why are they playing this team? Why are they playing this team? But when you have an experienced team, you can go and play, you know, some of the top tier team. But when you have a young team that you're trying to teach them the game and have them get acclimated to your offense and defensive principle, it takes about five to 10 games just to get those guys on the same page. And I understand it. At first, I didn't. I was like, no, I do understand it. Because young guys, even myself as a freshman at Kentucky, uh, I struggled my freshman year. And most of it was just the speed of the game and learning how to play without the ball in my hand. And most of these guys have always been the man. So when you go to college, everyone can play. Everyone is a good player. You know, you can guys from from different states that probably were the player of the state. And you got to learn how to work with other talented players, opposing when all the offense and everything goes through you in high school. And there was a major adjustment for me. So when you bring in four or five of those guys and say, hey, let's play basketball, there's more than just putting the best talent on the court and tell those guys, let's go play. You have to give them a scheme and a game plan. And it takes time to learn that.
1: You um... Talked about your transition from freshman year to sophomore year. Keon Brooks is doing that this year, and he's the only guy back that played. You know, Dante Allen is back, but he was injured. He didn't play. How do you think – and we saw Keon kind of making strides. We remember that game at Florida where, you know, E.J. Montgomery gets to tip in to win the game, but, but Keon is making big shots to help bring Kentucky back from that big deficit. How do you think Keon approaches this sophomore season, T.D.? Is, is, is there a lot of pressure on him? Or what kind of step do you think he takes uh, in his sophomore season based on what he did last year and being the only guy back to play in the system?
0: I, I think it's it's a great opportunity for him to showcase, you know, his, his skill set. But also, you know, I tell players, how do you improve from each and every season? You know, so when you ended your freshman season – you should be better going into your sophomore season, especially when you have talented players coming in. Like it's it's a challenge just to to be on Coach Cal team, you know, to be a, a recruit that he he wants to come to the university. So when you have those kind of recruits that come in, and even if a guy is is there, he's the the only the only remaining soldier, is that he gotta figure out, man, how can I help the young guys but also where is my game right now because your game should be better if you really are trying not even become a pro but if you thinking about improvement developing is the challenge got to be to all of these kids you know is that okay this is where I was at in high school this is where I met my first year in college my freshman year I should be better my sophomore year and then you know the system no one else probably would know the system better than he knows the system so you also are a player, but but you also need to be a teacher. So I expect him to help these young guys along. And, you know, with Coach Cal, his staff, uh, you know, the challenge is always going to be there. But I just think uh, when it comes to developing, you know, Cal has done a really good job developing those guys in, a, in w- with the small sample size of not having a, lo- a whole lot of time to do it in. So, you know, we always got to commend his, his work, his effort, and – even though we get the best players to come there, they still have to learn how to play together.
1: That makes sense. Uh, Jason, you're doing your thing, like we mentioned, at a sea of blue. Everybody can follow you on Twitter at Markham89. Follow sea of blue, at a sea of blue. Prior to this year, were you still, you know, covering everything, (laughs) getting media access to, you know, football games? Were you there covering all of them, or were some of the other writers doing that for you?
2: Um, we, we split it up, you know, we try to give everyone a chance to, you know, do a game as media and if we've got photographers, give them a chance to do it. So I think I ended up going to like half the football games and, you know, I want to say six or seven basketball games. So yeah, we, we have a really big, a really good and a big staff. So there's a lot of people I want to give chances to do it, you know, cause they all do great work and they don't give us a whole lot of money to pay everyone. So you try to like, you know, give them a chance to get to go cover a game just to be there in person, you know, and it's always a fun experience to go. I, I still, I mean, I've been doing it for, I want to say seven years now, and I still love it. It's yeah. always an amazing experience at Rob or at Kroger Field. Mm-hmm.
1: Yeah, I kind of got to do it kind of part time here or there and there and go up there, and it's, it's always fun. And, you, you know, you see all the people that you read their articles or hear them on the radio, and there you are. On press row with them, so it's definitely, definitely fun.
0: TD. Go ahead,
1: B. I got. I was just gonna ask you, like, about you know media availability when you were at Kentucky, because you got Jerry Tipton and and some of those guys that were <laughs> when you played. They're still on the beat. John Clay still around,
0: man. I'm John like, that, Clay, a
1: vault. You know these guys. What was Coach P's rule for you with media availability and and how much interaction did you have with some of those beat writers from the Herald-Leader and the Curry Journal back in the day?
0: You know, we talked – We know, we spoke with them. And, you know, we just – we really just tried to keep everything in-house. You know, we we were – I think we were media savvy enough to know what – you know, what not to say. And, you know, not to give them a story that they can go out and, you know, and just, you know, have – put out bad press. I think a lot of it comes to the character of the players you recruit because you got to find yourself in being there with so many eyes on you, and it's totally different for this generation of kids with social media, is that you can't go nowhere where somebody, you know, it doesn't have their phone with them. You know, we had, I had the luxury of, man, doing some things and not, not anything bad, but I wasn't worried about it getting back to coach. No one, because now it's my word against your word. You know what I'm saying? Like, you don't really have no footage. You don't have no tape. You know, uh, so I love being in the 90s with, you know, us maybe if there was a curfew, man, sometimes we might just left, we might have left the dorm. But you know what? No one saw us leave the dorm. You couldn't say, well, hey, I, I had Tony at this party right here on camera. No, it wasn't anything like that. But now you really have to be careful on what you do and how you do it. But you know, it's funny when I think about, and I probably talk to Jerry Tipton even now, once twice a year. Mm -hmm. And I always think, like, man, what are you ever are you ever going to retire? Can someone (laughs) else get your job? (laughs) Are you ever going to give up your position? I mean, uh, haven't you made enough money? You know, it's it's time to pass the torch on. (laughs) So, Jason, who who was it? Has there been a a mentor to you as you got into this profession?
2: Um. Yeah, actually, Paul Jordan, he used to run Wildcat Blue Nation, and that's where I got my first Rodney Gimmie kind, and uh, he, he was amazing the whole time. I mean, he really, he encouraged me to kind of be myself and kind of grow into my, you know, potential. He didn't, like, try to just, you know, pigeonhole me like, oh, just, you know, write basketball articles, write football articles. No, he really, he gave me the freedom to be myself and kind of let me attack everything, and I wouldn't
1: be here today without him, you know, the guidance he gave me. Yeah, and that was the – I wrote a little bit for Wildcat Blue Nation, and the f- the first game I actually covered was Kentucky football at Tennessee in Neyland Stadium for Wildcat Blue Nation. So, uh, you know, and growing up on the Kentucky-Tennessee border and going to all those games at Neyland Stadium as a fan or when you get to go as a media member – to finally see him get that win down there Saturday, it was it was really special. So, um, yeah, I, that's what I thought of. I thought about all that stuff Saturday. You know, the first time I covered a game was in Neal Stadium, Wildcat Blue Nation. TD, man, you talked about how y'all are media savvy with with Coach P and and uh, you didn't have to worry about social media. But in those interactions with the media, when you're – and look, you, you've been on SEC Network, you've been on NBA TV, you have, you know, filled in for Mike Pratt on the call of the game, so you, you know, communicating the game and talking it was no thing. Back as a freshman and a sophomore, did you like those interactions with the media, or did you just do it and get it over with because you had to, or, or did you enjoy it?
0: How'd you, how'd you feel about it back then? Man, I did not like that. I'm not gonna lie. It was- You know, after you finish playing a game, it's like everybody, everyone has like, oh, you should have done the battle. And they see the replay. Oh, well, you should have done this. And it's about reaction, instincts. And you playing with knowing the system, knowing that, I mean, there's so much thought process that you know, to it. And I think it takes me time to walk down, you know, win or lose I'm just think about what should I have done differently. And you really need time to detox. You really need time for the team to relax. And then you get the loss. You really don't want to talk like every game that we lost and I
1: was
0: mad. Nothing good to say. Yeah. Yeah. So, yeah. So really I, I wanted to go back and, you know, it just really, just relax. I didn't really want to answer any questions and it wasn't like, you know, we was, but you know, we had good media people though. I think the media training and, mm-hmm. you know, when you have guys that you build relationship with, you talk to them and they get to know you, you know, outside of basketball a little bit, you know, cause you really gotta get into like, okay, my family life, you know, what's going on. It's not, you're doing your job, but also, you know, your job is to to interview me and I have to ask, I have to answer questions, but I think it's easier when I feel there's trust between the person, the interviewer and me. Cause when there's trust and I know this person got my back, you know, I'm not trying to you know, let them know what's going on. Everything is going on, you know, within our team, but you know, you feel comfortable around them. You know, you feel like, okay, I don't, I don't like guys who are snakes. I don't like guys that go behind my back and say some things that I didn't say or, or put some in the paper I didn't, I didn't say. So once I get that article and I read that, like we're done, like, there's no, like, you not, like, like we're not, I don't even, want, I don't even want to talk anymore. You know what I'm saying? So now my trust is lost. And I think I have, I've i always felt that way, even as a 19-year-old kid, is that don't take advantage of the situation. You know, we are still young young kids, and this is new to us. So be careful with your question. And as long as it doesn't go, it's not personal, it's not involved my family, my game is my game. Anything else that goes on is not your business.
1: Did you read a lot of articles back then? You know, Cal always says, I don't read it. But yeah, he's he, you know, he he definitely knows everything that's going on. You know, or you know, somebody let him know. Did you block it all out, or did you, you know, did you grab a hurl leader every now and then, or, you know, how, how did you handle that?
0: Well, that was the one thing I think that coach told. He said, "Don't." I would always remember him say, "Do not read the press clippings." Mm-hmm. And I was like, "Man, why why does he, why does he want us read the press clip?" You know, especially after we got a big win. I'm like, "Man, I want to." See what they had to say about me. But it's funny that during my time there, I can't remember just any articles. You know, I, it wasn't whether it was good or bad, I didn't get caught up in it. So that was the first thing he said, you know, he had when we would have our team meeting. He said, Guys, I don't want you worried about stats, and I don't want you to be reading the press clippings. He said, Because, you know, at the end of the day, they're doing their job. That's not our job. Your job is to come here, play basketball, and be a student. So that's what we focus on. So what my job to see what was going on in cat paws back in the day. It was nice to see some photos in there, but Harold Lee, the same thing, you know, we just never got caught up, man. And, and, And I'm so glad I did because what I see now with this generation is it's all about social media. What is somebody saying about me? How many followers do I have, you know? And you find yourself getting distracted. So that's what he was telling us. Don't get distracted about what people are saying. Good or bad. And it keeps you focused.
1: Yeah, absolutely. Um, you know, we we always work in a little NBA, Jason. Are you a big NBA guy? I know you I know you well, I know you cover the Bengals and you're a Bengals fan. And are you an NBA guy? Oh
2: too? yeah. Yeah, I love the NBA. Especially since Cal got here and it's just like everyone has a Wildcat on their team. Mm-hmm.
1: So you have uh-huh. a team or you just kind of keep it with all the all the players?
2: Yeah, the Boston Celtics have been my team, and it's funny because I, I growing up, you know, I didn't really know all about their history, like guys like Larry Bird and Robert Parish and Bill Russell. It was growing up where Rick Pitino went there. It was like they had just nothing but Wildcats on their team. It's like they had, uh, I they had Tony. They have you at one point.
0: I came, uh, I came after Coach left, so but I okay, did, yeah. I did get a chance, but I did play with. Uh, I played with Antoine and Walter, so I miss
2: Ron. Okay. Yeah, yeah, Antoine and uh McCondy. Walter, Walter. Walter, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Tom Heisen. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Tom, Tom, Tom makes it great. What's he
1: like, TD? You, I guess you met him when you were playing up there from times. What's he like?
0: You know what? He, he was, um, I mean, you know, he, he was a Boston legend and, you know, just one of those guys you can just sit down and just talk with, man. Because a lot a lot of the legend was still around. You know, we got a chance to see, you know, some of the older guys, man. And it was just like, um, you know, when you, when you would see a Bill Russell, man, uh, mm. I'm like, dang, man, you know, just, man, this is Bill Russell, you know. And, you know, Kuzi, you know, these guys were still around. I mean, they were still legends, you know. Just not only legends there, but just, you know, as a player – I really appreciate the game. I really appreciated the history of basketball. You know, when you can walk in and you can just see all the retired jerseys, um, you know, it's up, it's up in the arena, you know, and then for those players still to be around and, you know, and you got to look at, you know, all the championships they won, those 17 championships, man. And, and just as we traveled on the road, there were so many, so many Boston fans, like of all the teams I played with, uh, no, no team got as much love as the Boston Celtics. Wow. Like it was like playing for the Lakers, you know, and a lot of it was just tradition. Mm. You know, I'm like, man, Boston is like, you know, we would travel. I'm like, wow. You know, the, you would see like all these, all these Boston fans. I'm like, man, it must, but you know, it, it was a history. It was a tradition that made people either hate or love the Celtics. <laughs>
1: That's right. That's right. Oh, you know, we always hit up on all the, the coaching moves. And Stan Van Gundy is now headed to New Orleans. So how do you think that will work with him uh, getting Zion in year two and, and going forward with that squad?
0: I, I think a lot of it is, you know, they were looking for an experienced coach and a coach that was going to develop the young players. And I think they want to go back and look at what he did for uh, Dwight Howard and, you know, their success. In Orlando, uh, I'm just hoping that he's not one of those recycled coaches, you know, that's just getting another job. You know, just I, I think sometimes we got to move on for these guys who've had two and three jobs and get somebody else the opportunity, get somebody else a chance. You know, when you get to your third, and I think this will be his third team, if I'm not mistaken, I know it was, um, Orlando, um, he did Orlando, uh, Detroit, president, president, and coach. Yeah. <laughs> for Detroit. And now here's his third job, you know, so I'm like, okay, he went from commentating to now, you know, cause he stayed relevant, you know? So it's almost like he went straight to commentating so we still can see his face. And then he becomes a good hire because now he really, he's interviewing for, he's interviewing for a job. You know, when you become a commentator as a coach, you know, you're trying to get back into coaching. Yeah. You know, that's like, you're, you're there for a minute and some of these jobs are going to open up. But I always think, give other guys a, a chance and opportunity, you know, maybe because something new doesn't hurt. I mean, just because you've you know, been successful don't mean you will be successful with this, this group of kids right now. So um, it'll be, I wish him well, Cause like I said, I like, I like David Griffin, uh, good friend of mine and someone who I want to see do well with that, with that organization.
1: Mm-hmm. This is one thing I meant to ask you back while the finals were going on and you know, so I'm going to backtrack now. I don't, I don't know if we had Jason Campbell on for the Auburn episode, but just didn't end up getting to work it in. But game one and two of the finals, you know, the timing was so bad for the Heat. You know, Bam was out. Drogic got hurt. They were underdogs anyway. And now they're, they're thin. They're under man going against the heavily favored Lakers. If you were Eric Spoelstra, would you have – trotted. Udonis has him out there for a little bit. I mean, I know he's 40, been there forever. We saw him getting motivated during a pep talk, but I'm, he's an ultimate professional. I'm sure he keeps himself ready. Would you have put him out there just to, to steal a few minutes, TD? Even though he hadn't played an entire playoffs, would you have given him a little bit of run since you were so thin?
0: Hell no. And <laughs> 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 reason I said- what is he gonna do at forty years old? He ain't played in no. He played his best years are far behind him. So no, not even for six Listen, listen the best thing he was doing was being a motivation speaker. That, that 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 was that was the best thing he could have contributed to that team. Because him going out there, what was he gonna do? The game, the game, didn't pass passing by, man. It's kind of like you know he is a player. Like where is he gonna guard? Because. If he checked in the game, we're going right at him. There ain't no question. You check in the game, forty years old. You ain't played in no series. I know you out of shape. You have no game speed. I'm, I'm attacking you right away. Mm. So no, absolutely not. <laughs> not one minute. I don't care if they were up thirty points. Don't put him in the game. Let him, let him enjoy from the sideline. He, plus you know what, he has his championships. He's good. You
1: yeah, know. Several rings, sure does. Sure
0: yeah, does. he's good.
1: Yeah. Man, any, anything else catch you fellas' eyes and ears from the sports world this week? You know, I mean, and we talked about the Braves, you know, coming up short. We talked a little NBA. We talked to Kentucky News football and basketball. What, any other little nuggets that y'all want to hit on?
0: i tell you one thing. I'm getting ready for this UFC fight. I'm excited about it. So, uh, mm-hmm. That's gonna be what I think Saturday night oh you know what the fight the i tell you what boxing was uh was Lopez and who did Lopez who did he beat um just one he just won a championship I'm trying to think of who he because it I, I kind of follow all my sports so right. I, I was I was watching Lopez wind up winning you know he unified the championships but championship belt but it, it was um I can't think of him offhand right now. I think I'm probably when I get it, get off the uh, off this podcast. But, but just a a young twenty three year old kid.
1: Tell about that Lomachenko dude.
0: Lomachenko, yes, Lomachenko. But see, people don't know the history of Lomachenko. They look at his record. I think his record is like fourteen and two. It's four fourteen and two now. But Golden Glove, the dude was three hundred and ninety six and one. What? Do you understand me? Listen, because I had to go back. It was like, oh, he's pound for pound, the best fight in the world. I'm like, but the dude at this time when I went when I first started watching him, he was like uh, I think 11, either 10 and one or 11 and one. And I'm like, man, this dude, how can he be the best? He only got like 10 fights, and they were talking about how great he was. And went back, his you know, golden glove record was like 396 and one, which is unbelievable. Can you imagine? 396 victories and one loss Mm -mm. and that fight uh you know he was he was a heavy favorite against lopez but lopez was young it was the 16th fight and uh he came in and he, he was a young he was a young warrior in that in that ring you know and he probably won the first lopez won like the first five five rounds i think lomachenko was trying to still fill him out a little bit and he won some of the the championship round but i think the last round was what What allowed Lopez to win? But then after after the fight, you know, it was always a scoring. You know, it was like one seventeen to one o nine, like one sixteen to one one o eight. I'm like, y'all can't be. I I thought it was a closer, a closer fight. And I, you know, if it had been a split decision, I would have been fine with it. But a unanimous decision against the pound for pound three belt champion. That was that. Like I said, it was unheard of. But you know, Lopez, he. he came delivered. So I kind of keep up with boxing, UFC, man. I'm all over the place when it comes to sports. Yeah.
1: 396 and one, though, that – that those numbers sound like kind of like a jockey. You hear those jockeys that's won 3,000 <laughs> horse races and over there. 396 wins, man. Man, that's...
0: 300, man, 396 <laughs> win. Like, who, who – man, who boxes that much, man? man. I'm just thinking like, man, you know you what? Know, that, that that's something like on the shooting machine, like you made 396 shots out of like maybe five, 600, you know what I'm saying, 600 shots. Yeah. Like, dude, he he put up shooting machine numbers in boxing. That's unheard of.
1: That's, that's crazy. That's, I did not see that coming, Jason. I don't know about you, but I, that... Uh-uh.
0: I've never heard of that. <laughs> oh,
1: oh, yeah. Yes, hey, yes. Like, like I told you, man, TD is all over, it, man. We, we touch all the bases, you know, uh, Mookie Betts sign signing bonus. We talking boxing. We, we we hit it all in and around when we talk Kentucky. And you know, we, you
0: know what I was thinking about with, with the uh the Atlanta Braves, man, when when Will Smith was pitching and Will Smith was hitting, <laughs> I've never seen so it was it's Will Smith versus Will Smith, and we needed Will Smith to, to strike out. And Will Smith hit the home run. I was like, if if that doesn't happen, you know, Atlanta's up three-one. And you know it. Every game, you know, when you have 3-1, is a closeout game. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I just thought that, you know, we was going to get one of them games. I just had it in my mind. I'm like, man, Atlanta's going to the World Series. But, you know, you have to get a Dodgers a lot of credit. Um, mm-hmm. You know, they haven't won anything in a long time. They've, they've gotten to the big dance. And, mm-hmm. um, you know, and, and you can't disrespect the Rays. I think when you see the Rays beating the Astros, beating the Yankees, uh, you know, they're a really good team. You know i haven't seen him play much but just uh i hit the most most home runs in the postseason with I think it's like 28 home runs you know so a, a solid hitting team but a team that really pitches the ball well and um you know i, I think the dodgers after last night you know they know they are in for a tough series
1: mm-hmm. and the dodgers have been on top of the mountain in the national league for a while uh won their division eight years in a row the Braves finally got out of the first round for the first time since 2001. The Dodgers, TD, you probably agree, they they know their window is probably going to be closing soon. They got trash canned out of one more series already. So yeah. they, uh, they got to take advantage and get back and try to you know, finish the job against a good, tough Tampa Bay team that nobody knows who they are, but they can play.
0: Yeah, I, I think, and also, like I said, you know, we, we're seeing Clayton Kershaw. You know, he's he's getting older now. You know, he was mm-hmm. he has been a a really good regular season pitcher, and he's struggling in the postseason. Although he got the win the other night, but you know, these pitching these these pitchers start getting they they start aging. And although Mookie Betts came over as a really really good player, I mean, an unbelievable outfielder. I mean, he made some some unbelievable catches against the Braves. You know, some of those, like I say. He prevented a couple home runs. You know, that's how solid he is. So when you look at a guy getting paid over $300 million, you know, and it's like, is it justifiable? Well, we talked about this. I think it's justifiable because if the owners have the money to pay the players, that means, you know, their pockets are okay. So I don't mind any player getting paid money because at the end of the day, that means the owner has the money to pay them. Mm-hmm. Jason, do you have a – is there a baseball team you like or are you just strictly football and
2: basketball? Unfortunately, the Reds. <laughs> yeah. <We're sorry>. All right. <laughs> All right, man. Uh, hey. Hey. hey what, Big Red Machine. Pitched, yeah. Yeah. Well. Yeah. That, but, <laughs> y'all pitched amazing when we played this year. I mean, that that y'all won that series fair and square. So I mean, that's just how it goes. The
1: Reds had yeah. so many chances with so many dudes on base, and they just couldn't get that hit when they needed it. Oh, that was a nail biter. <laughs>
2: I feel like that's been them every year since I've been watching them since like the early two thousands. They just they're just one, always one of the worst teams in the league at blowing uh runners into scoring position. I'm always like, how? It happens, man. It happens. Yeah.
1: Can Can Joe Burrow lead your Bengals to respectability? At least one Bengals question. That's it. That's, I'm not gonna mess with you no more.
2: He. I mean he can he's good enough but I'm just worried that are we going to give him the supporting cast he needs it's like you know Zach Taylor he's you know first time head coach and I mean he's shown some some nice stuff but he kind of made the one of the mistakes you don't make as a coach and when he hired his first staff he hired a bunch of his buddies and yep. that's just it I, that's just kind of a no no in coaching and it's kind of you know backfiring a little on him so you know I, Hopefully he kind of gets it turned around, comes back next year, and kind of gets a chance to kind of redo his staff with, you know, more qualified guys. And, you know, hopefully it works out. Um, They've drafted some good players recently, and they've got Burrow now. So it'll be a lot easier to get better than, you know – I love Andy Dalton. He's You know, he's a good player. But uh, with him, you really needed a great supporting cast to be a playoff team. And with Burrow, I don't think – the, there's a there's a margin of error that's you know a little better with them.
0: Hey, Jason. Yeah, you, you, uh, you mentioned a quarterback. What was the quarterback name that left uh, Cincinnati? He's 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 with America's team. You know that quarterback? Uh, he he yeah. happens to be one of our one of one of our guys' favorite team and. Uh, Seemed like he was running for his life the other night.
1: Oh,
2: boy, that, that, <laughs> that was that was rough. That was a rough one.
1: That line, now, buddy.
2: Oh man. Yeah.
0: You know I don't. know. so, so are, are you blaming the line? You blaming Zeke? You blaming Jerry Jones? I mean, Stephen Jones. I mean, who 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 was American team? I mean, it seemed like they're all they're across the board with blaming everyone. And I'm just trying to figure out, like, you know, who fault
1: is it? it's plenty of blame to go around is, is, you know, Jerry got to get his share, even though he don't want it. This, this hire of Mike McCarthy, they, you know, he, he, he stayed at his house. They had a sleepover. I was looking at that sideways when I heard about that over the summer and he went to Jerry's mansion and stayed the night and had a little slumber party. I'm like, well, you, you better win. And here we're not winning. And so, you know, the, the, the players taking shots already, talking about the scheme, and the staff. It is it is a mess. Zeke, I don't – T.D., you was giving Zeke grief a week or two ago, and here he comes out and just throwing the ball all over the field on the ground, putting the ball on the ground every time he get it. <laughs>
0: it's The defense, hey man, is, hey, the hey, defense hey. is historically bad. It, oh, man, everything. Hey Zeke, 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 Zeke looked like he's running with an elephant on his back, man. <laughs> and, and, and them slippery – them buttery – them Butterfinger hands of his, man. I'm just like, dude, they paid you $90 million. And I know, here's the thing too, you know, is that we can look at him and say that, you know, Mike McCarthy, he hasn't done a, a good job of anything really, you know, because even as we looked at Dak numbers before he got hurt, I mean, those numbers were, when they were behind, they were trailing. So you got to put the ball in the air, you know? So. Those to me are, you know, when I look at the stats, I'm like, hmm, you know, those are not really in game stats. You know, those are stats where you're behind and you gotta put the ball in the air. But I just think from a defensive standpoint, uh, you know, CeeDee Lamb is a a talented offensive player, but I saw I still thought they should have went defensive, you know, maybe with a, you know, cornerback, someone special, not even special team, but someone on the line or someone in your secondary, you know, because if you already have problems trying to get Amari Cooper the ball and then you got another receiver who, you know, who I, I think will demand the ball as well. But uh just a team that has a a lot a lot of pressure and most of the pressure comes from the owner. You know <laughs> what I'm saying? Because he's always in the media. Sometimes you just gotta like I was telling another cowboy fan, Benny, like yourself, mm-hmm. all news and all conversation is not good conversation, and we're not hearing good conversation about the Cowboys right now. So, there you go. But my Titans are doing pretty good. That's all I'm gonna say. I'm gonna leave it at that.
1: Ooh, Steelers coming
0: Titans. Tough game. It's gonna be Ooh. tough. Yeah, I agree. It's gonna be tough. Yeah, you know, there ain't no punks, but we aren't. We aren't any punks either. So we'll fight. We'll see what happens. Yeah, you you talking about boxing earlier, That's a heavyweight fight coming up. Oh it's, oh it's coming and we coming too now like i say they, they bring it they bring bringing their a game we bring in our a game and, we, and may, may the best team win
1: absolutely man we had a a blast doing this episode of believing kentucky jason man appreciate you making time to hop on what what you got coming with a sea of blue just just continuous cats coverage that y'all do so well
2: yeah we got the missouri game saturday and then uh Bryce Hopkins is probably going to announce Saturday or Sunday. So the good mojo with Kentucky recruiting and football team could keep going here these next few days.
1: Yeah. Same like always, man. Appreciate you putting each episode that we do at Believe in Kentucky on a yes, season sir. for Cats fans to check out. Uh, thank you so much for that. And, man, TD, you man, you're bringing the knowledge and, and the insight like you always do, man. It's always fun.
0: I do what I can be, but like I said, man, you like you like Magic Johnson, Steve Nash, Stockton in this game, man, and LeBron James, best assist man in the game, Benny Hardy. I
1: appreciate it, man. I appreciate thanks, it. Thanks oh. for
0: coming on,
2: man. We appreciate you, man. It's hey, thank you very much for having me. I had a blast. Hey,
0: appreciate
1: it. Give us those five stars on iTunes, Apple Podcasts, wherever you get your podcast. Check out this episode of Believe in Kentucky. We'll see you all next time. Take care, everybody.